Buenos dias. Good morning, First Alliance Church. FAC. What a joy to be here. My name is Bob Fugate. My dear wife Cheryl and I came in on Thursday night from Guadalajara, Mexico, where we are ministering and planting churches in that beautiful city. And we are so glad to be able to be with you this morning just to share for some brief moments a bit of an update on what the work has been this year and some of the exciting things that have taken place. And also to share a message with you this morning that I shared with our congregation last Saturday night, or last Sunday morning. We were celebrating our inauguration of our third campus site of Breath of Life Church in the city of Guadalajara. And so this was an event where we had all hands on deck. Everybody was working the last two weeks to get this rental building in condition. And we met over 200 of us and we packed ourselves into that beautiful new building where we are renting. And we had the inauguration of this new campus site. Our day was a glorious day. It was a beautiful day. It was a wonderful day. It was a day of joy. It was a day of tears because we were separating apart four families who lived in that area who would become the backbone of that new church. And God moved in wonderful ways. So as I was working on my message in Mexican fashion because of the workload, last Saturday at about midnight, I started my message. And I'm saying, Lord, I am so tired. I just don't know what you would have me share with our congregation on this glorious day we're going to have. And then it just dawned on me, go back to the beginning. Go back to where you started and, and start there and share that message. So this morning, we're going to do that. I'm going to share the message that I shared with our church last Sunday. They are meeting now for the first time by themselves, Sunday morning at 11 o'clock today. And this is uh, the message and the base of the message I shared with them. And it takes us back to where we started in 2015. Before, though, however, I go into the message, I need to say a big thank you to FAC because there are so many of you who are praying on a regular basis for us. Uh, we are just amazed at your faithfulness and encouraged by your willingness to take time out and to pray, to read an update, to pray for us. We're just uh, amazed by that and grateful. It brings us great encouragement. You also are a generous church. I don't know if you've been told that or not. I don't know if anyone's told you that, but you are a generous church. And we have about 10 churches, more or less, in, in the Alliance and even a couple non-Alliance who support us on a regular basis. Our South Point Ministries, and in particular, our church planning effort, uh, Breath of Life Church in Guadalajara. FAC is in the top three of those churches, just so you're aware of that. So what you have done this year has enabled us to open up and have that service last Sunday. And what a blessing you've been to so many Mexicans in Guadalajara. And as we're going to talk about this morning, those who are also within our vision that we call 5525, that is five churches to plant in Guadalajara and five in the surrounding states by the year 25. 
And so we praise God for you. Thank you so much, dear church, for your faithfulness and for your generosity. God is blessed. Our, our text this morning and where I started last Sunday goes back to a meeting we had in December of 2014 and then January of 2015. There were three Mexican families, Cheryl and I, and another missionary, IW, couple, Tim and Jenna's Greenfield. And we had been meeting in our home Friday nights as we prayed together. We got to know each other, and we were planning for the planning of this first new church in Guadalajara. And as we met and talked about what would be the theme, what will be a verse as a theme for our church, what will be our uh, base that we can build this vision off of, what will be kind of that compass pointing north for us as a new church. We talked extensively and several, about 15, 14 weeks uh, went by and we landed on this verse, which is found in the Old Testament, which comes out of a prophet of the Old Testament by the name of Ezekiel. And in chapter 37, getting well into that book, getting near the end, in chapter 37, Ezekiel has a vision, another vision that God gave him. And in that vision, he is bringing a message of hope and restoration to a broken people. And we thought, what a wonderful message to bring to Mexico, particularly the area where we are working, called the Circle of Silence, for the lack of the presence of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we thought, what a great message. There is a beginning in chapter 37. The vision is introduced by Ezekiel with these words, The hand of the Lord was upon me. He, he, he was given a vision. He brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. <laughs> Do you remember that passage? The dry bones. Now, I don't know about you, but when I first heard this suggestion from some of our Mexicans, my first thought was, I don't know if I want our church's theme verse to be based on the valley of dry bones. <laughs> I thought that's not a very hopeful message in my eyes. Couldn't maybe we find a different verse. But as we started to look at this and we talked about the reasons, we recognized that it's the vision that he had to a people in need who were in desperation, who were cut off, who were in great need. And so this is a vision of hope. And, and the message can be resumed or resumed, summarized in English, can be summarized in very simple terms. The point of this message, I believe in this vision, is that where God's spirit is present, people are enabled to live. And not just to live, but to live life to its fullest as God intended. And if we can believe and if we have the hope of God's presence, that he will give us life, new life. And as Jesus said, I've come to give life, but not just life. I've come to give life in abundance. Oh, God promised these dear people. Remember the context? This was a nation who had been warned about God's judgment because of sin. 
they had been defeated twice. They had been carried off to the city of Babylon in exile. They were now second-class citizens in a land that was unknown, a language was unknown. They had lost everything. And now there they are. And God brings them this message, not of judgment, but of hope. And we thought, wow, this is a message to build a church on. The promise of hope. And you know, in Mexico, they are wonderful people. We love them so much. It is a great culture, but we don't try to change the people. I'll talk about this as we get going this morning. We try to lead them to the belief and the faith in the one true living God. And if we are able to do so, we know that God will change them and transform them. And this message that Ezekiel had years ago, and we're not going to go into the prophetic ends of it, which are extensive, nor are we going to go into the ramifications of Israel returning, which they did return. I want to center this morning on three elements of this passage and this message. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love, which we all need. The key verse is found in Ezekiel thirty-seven fourteen. And this is the verse we adopted as our new church. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. Amen. That's our key verse of our church. Our church's name comes from here, Breath of Life. And that's the name that we've given to our churches in Guadalajara. And we are so thankful. Just as a side point, as God prophesied through Ezekiel that he would restore Israel, as he prophesied to them that they were not cut off, they were not forgotten, Isaiah, who was prior to Ezekiel by a few years, Isaiah had prophesied, of course, also the destruction of Jerusalem and Israel as a nation. And he also prophesied against Babylon who would be representing that invading army. And it's interesting because Isaiah talked about that Babylon would become a barren wasteland that nobody would pitch their tents in and no animals would even graze there. That's a wasteland. Do you know where Babylon is located or was located on the map today? Do you know where that is? It's just about 85 kilometers south of Baghdad is where it is. And in the 70s, I believe, Saddam Hussein tried to rebuild some of the ruins that were there, tried to put a palace there. He tried to get like a housing thing going there and, and whatnot, but it all came to naught. And still to today, nobody lives in that place that had once been the most important city in the world. God's prophecy, his word is faithful. And that's our first theme this morning, our first element, faith. Our church was built on faith. Let me read to you Ezekiel 37, 11 to 14, to give us more of the context. Then he said to me, this is Ezekiel referring to God in his vision, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Obviously, it's not the physical bones. It's symbolic of the nation of Israel. We have been taken into captivity. Our hope is totally lost. We are cut off. 
cut off from God, cut off from our families, cut off from our history, cut off from everything that we valued. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel, and I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place in you place you in your own land, that you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. That was the prophecy that Ezekiel gave to these dear ones in Babylon without hope. And it leads us first and foremost to faith. We all need faith. And I know in today's world, we are told to believe in just about anything. And we see all over the internet, believe in yourself, you can do it. This is not the prophecy that Ezekiel gave to these people who were, who were extremely uh, lost and forlorn and forgotten and a feeling of abandonment. He did not say to them, believe in yourself, you're a great nation. No. What did he say to them? He said, believe in me. Believe in my word. I have declared it and I will do it. And this is a faith that we share together. We share a faith, and we teach this in Guadalajara. We share a faith based on the solid foundation of the written Word of God. We have the revelation of God in writing. We can turn to it day in and day out. And we can be refreshed, we can be encouraged, we can be nourished. Our faith is based on the solid foundation of the Word of God. And this is very important in Mexico because in Mexico, tradition is important. Rituals are important. Uh, religious rites are important. Um, culture is important. Superstitions and all types of beliefs. And so we share with people, your faith is not based on your culture. And it's not based on your religious rituals. It's based on the Word of God that has been revealed to us in the sacred scriptures. And it's not experience that we base our faith on because some days we feel great and other days, like me, we don't feel so good. And I don't know about you, but we have good days and bad days, don't we? Praise the Lord, our faith is based on His written Word. And dear friends, if God has promised to do something, as Ezekiel had prophesied, he will fulfill his promise. Many of you know in 2.15, we began our first church plant. Cheryl and myself and these other families, we were going to, we had set a start date of April 19th, Sunday, in 2.15. We had been working for three, four months now to get ready. We had done a couple of evangelistic events. We had rented a place that was uh, needed a lot of uh, refurbishing. And so we've been working on that for several months. We we're almost set to go. But uh, five days prior to the opening of that Sunday, we were forcibly removed from that rental. And uh, God had uh, given us such a strong sense of purpose, such a strong sense of um, being within his will but five days before we were to open, we were forcibly removed, rent contract and all, by a cartel representative who did not want us there, who had come in to take over. 
And that, that casts doubt on our vision. That casts doubt in our, our thoughts of, are we on the right track? Have we made a major mistake? Have we gone ahead of ourselves? Have we left God out? I don't know if you've ever been there with that doubt. One of the things the enemy will always do to God's children is he will cause us or try to cause us to doubt in our God, in his validity. Do not fall prey to that trick. You and I may fail, but our God will never fail. You and I will make mistakes, but God will still love us. And don't permit your faith to fall into question because of your circumstances. And these people in Israel were able to recoup and to trust again and to renew their faith. We have the written word of God. They had the prophecy of Ezekiel. And in 2.15, we were wondering, Lord, what do we do? And you know what happened was we had a meeting, our, our small group. I took it to a vote. I wanted to see what their response would be. I wanted to see, was it me that was wrong? Or, or, or how were they feeling God's leading? And praise the Lord, the vote, when we were done, just about everybody said, Pastor, we're going to have service on Sunday, even if we're going to meet in the street we're going to have a service. And I knew at that point, this is a blessing because we're laying a cornerstone of faith in the only one true living God. And that with that cornerstone of faith, there is nothing that will detain nor deter the will of God in planting this church. And you know the story. We, we were given a beautiful place. Within four days, we had that service. We had no electric and no water, but we got extension cords and 55-gallon drums, and we were able to have that first service. We are still today in that building. That church is going to be going on at 11 o'clock. They are back over 100 people after we've multiplied out again for a third time, and so they need to go to two services again pretty soon in a few more months. So God has blessed beyond measure. What we thought was a question of doubt, the Lord answered and responded to our faith. I believe God responds to his children who trust him. And so I would encourage us to renew our trust and our faith in him and his word. It was just a year after that, in 216, in Guadalajara, where once again, I encouraged our small group. We were now 35, 50 people meeting on a Sunday morning. And I said, you know, we need a home. We need a place where we won't get kicked out of. And it was very unusual for churches in Guadalajara, still is today, to actually own a building. Almost all of them rent. There's only one or two evangelical churches that have their own building. And I said, you know, we need to trust God for a home of our own as a center to grow this church. And they were just, oh, we can't do that, Pastor. It's just not going to be possible. And I said, well, let's put it to prayer and let's ask God for a miracle to do this. And we began to look for land. And lo and behold, I started saying, well, you know, we need land that's a little bigger. They were looking for plots that were about the sides of the stage. <laughs> I said, no, 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 no. We need a little bigger than that. We need at least like, uh, you know, an acre or a half acre, something that we could put a church on for 500 people sanctuary. And they just looked at us like a 500, 500 people church in, in Guadalajara right now would kind of, if evangelical church would be kind of considered a mega church. So you guys in Guadalajara are a mega church, okay? And that's what they thought. We said, well, let's, let's go to the Lord. Let's ask for the impossible by faith. And God blessed in such wonderful ways because we came across this three-quarter acre piece of property. 
wherever he wanted to be, close to the main avenue, right in the heart of everything. And that property happened to just go up. It was just going to go up for bank auction because the owner had missed so many years of mortgage payments. And just before it was going up for auction, he had put up a sign saying for sale. We happened to drive by it because a lady at our church service left her purse. We found her purse, took it home to her. And as we took it to her home, we saw this sign, land for sale. We called them the next day. And lo and behold, they were in desperation to sell this property. Because if the bank put it in auction, the owner was not going to get enough money to pay back all his debt to the bank. So what he desperately needed was somebody to pay off his debt to the bank and a little bit more for him, and we could have the land. We talked to Orchard Foundation about a loan. They were agreeable. We secured the loan with them. And within a few months, we had purchased this three-quarter acre piece of property for about $230,000. And it was absolutely out of the range of this young church to handle this. But we said, guys, if, if you will trust and follow and serve the Lord, God will find a way. And the, the, the fellow who was selling us this land, the real estate agents, his name was Jesus. Jesus was not in favor of us buying the church. I told him right away, I'm a pastor and we want to put a church here and we want to minister to the community. We want to support the community. We want to help the community. And he was angry. He was resentful to the church, probably because of a young child. He probably had some bad experiences. And I said, Lord, what are we going to do? The real estate agent is against us. He's working against us. We have the loan. We want to buy the property. Work this out for us. And lo and behold, one day, somewhere I believe in September, he was uh, mistakenly kidnapped. Uh, He was a real estate agent. He was showing a hacienda off to some prospective clients and the cartel mistook him for the owner so they took him and after about four hours of beating him up and things they realized they had the wrong guy (laughs) they miraculously let him go outside of town and they always tell you don't call your family if you do we'll kill everybody don't call the police if they do we'll kill everybody and so guess who he called because he had my number in his phone because we were talking about the land he called me and I said, Jose, I said, or Jesus, I, said, I, I can't, I'm downtown. But he's crying. He's just terribly shaken up. He's in need. And he said, listen, I'll have my wife meet you out front the gate of the land we want to buy <laughs> that you won't sell us. And they met outside the gate and he poured his heart out to Cheryl in a public area where she was safe and just spoke of God's love for him. And this is a, this is a sign to him that God does love him. That he's not left alone to put his faith in Christ. And that was the turning point for this man. And outside of that gate of that property, he would not give to us. He found the words of God and the care and the faith that he could find in Christ. And praise the Lord, he decided to sell the land. And we were able to purchase that property. And now today, as I stand here, we are looking to finally start our building, which was held up for now four or five months because we were illegally closed (laughs) by the municipality trying to get bribes from us and we had our building permits and everything but they shut us down now but thankfully last tuesday with our lawyers without doing bribes we fought the case we won the appeal and we've not only won our appeal not have to pay the fees but we've also won the integrity of a church that believes in the word of god that we believe in the honesty of scripture we believe and trust everything 
that is written in, in that word. Our church family and our leadership has grown to trust the Lord and act in faith. And now they face a building which they wonder, how in the world could we ever do that? And we say, place your faith in the Lord because it is not by us. But it says a tremendous verse. And I want to shift us now to the concept of hope. Hope in a risen Lord. Hope in a loving God. Ezekiel said, I will put my spirit within you. You shall live. I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do what declares the Lord. We have a purpose as a church in Guadalajara to help others to know the hope of freedom in Christ. Our definition of success is not how many people are in the pews. Our definition of success is how many lives are transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. How many lives are changed? Cheryl and I, before we came here, we left Thursday night. We took the short route. It was Guadalajara to Dallas, Dallas to New York, New York to Pittsburgh. <laughs> that was our route. It was a great flight. But I have had trouble getting over the last two or three months. I got dengue in August. We were down with a portaperture group, an indigenous group. Got bit by a mosquito there and just had trouble getting over this thing. And so I've just been plagued with fevers and those things. It's not COVID, folks. And we went to my doc, whose name is Karina. She lives just around from us a few blocks away. Her husband's a lawyer. They're new to our church. They came last year. If you saw them in our church, they're a wonderful family. Just darling family. Three young children. They are just growing in their faith, brimming now with hope. But it wasn't always that way for them. I went to see them the first time when they came, and Sharon and I went to visit them, and we were shocked. They're building this beautiful house. It's, it's a two-story. It's gorgeous. But it's not finished. It's not finished. There's, there's no paint on the walls. There's no floor yet. It's just cement. And there's no windows in the backyard. There's no doors in the backyard. It's all open there. And in the rainy season, they would have to get up in the middle of the thunderstorms with a squeegee and start squeegeeing all the water out of the living room because it's just pouring in. And we thought, and there's the couch, and there's the dining room table, and it's all this open air. What's going on here? This is not what we expected. And I said, what happened to you guys? Tell us your story. And this dear couple told me their story. And he, as a lawyer, about two years ago, also was kidnapped for ransom. And many times it just doesn't work out, and they, they don't come back home. But he was held for about seven days. He was hung by his wrist. He was beaten they played games with him about shooting him and those types of things. And they gave him twice a day a 30-second phone call. To, and he would call his wife. And that was proof of life and also get the ransom money, you know. And he would say, how's it going? And you know what God spoke to her? She had just come to Christ. And God gave her tre- tremendous wisdom to give him hope. And so she gave him a phrase. She didn't quite know the whole thing yet from the Psalms. But she gave them a phrase. God is my protector and deliverer. He will save me. That's, that's a pretty good summary of the phrase she gave him. So twice a day for 30 seconds, they didn't talk about anything else except we're trying to raise the money. God is my protector and my deliverer. He will save me. And that message got through to her husband and he started repeating it day and night out loud, blindfolded, hanging there at the mercy of these people. He would repeat that day and night. God is my deliverer, my protector. He will deliver me. He will save me over and over and over again. And you know what happened to him? He gained hope 
to actually get out of that place and return to his family. Israel was lost in captivity, but I can imagine their grandparents and their parents sharing with the new generation, someday you'll go back to Israel. Someday you'll be back there. It's going to be wonderful what God will do. Trust in him. And I can imagine this wife on the phone sharing with him this phrase from scripture. God will deliver you. Hope in the Lord. And after he did this for a number of days over and over again, one of his captors came to him and he started weeping. And he said, you're the lucky one. He said, you are the lucky one. You are going to get out of here alive. I am doomed. I will never leave here alive. Pray for me. And they let him go. They got their ransom together. They let him go. It's a wonderful story, but it's a story of heartache. It's a story of disaster. It's a story of the dark night of the soul. And this is what God gives to us. Hope in a living God. Hope in a resurrection. Hope in the power of God to change us. And we tell the church, there is nobody in your family that is so far from God that he cannot reach and does not love. And we tell them there's nobody in Mexico so violent and so removed from God that he does not love and does not desire to reach. And if we will trust him, the great news today, church, is that God will do the work through us. He will change the lives. Because the great news, as as Ezekiel prophesied and related to Jesus Christ, our hope is Christ in us. God said, I will put my spirit in you. He was referring and prophesying about the times that we live in with the presence of God. And I want to say this to you, dear church. When God lives in us, we are never alone. We are never abandoned. We are never forgotten. Let me finalize this morning with Zacharias 4, 6, as I move to the end. It's a beautiful verse. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord. To Zerubbabel. This is Israel returning after the captivity. Zerubbabel is one of the guys working there trying to rebuild. And then he said to me, give this word to your leader. It's not by might. You know this verse, right? Not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. In other words, it's God in us who will do this work. Finally, love this morning. And why love? Because we are taught by the Bible that God is a God of love. God is a God who cares for us, and God will always provide for us. We are taught to love others as He has loved us. We are taught to share this message and make disciples of all peoples. Teaching Him to obey everything Jesus has said. Baptizing themselves in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, I will be with you to the end of the age. What I want to point out this morning about this verse is the idea of a love of God of love and community. We can have faith and hope because our God is one of love and community. Ezekiel 37, 12. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. God refers to us as his people. He still referred to them as his people. Judgment, captivity, defeat. But what does he call them? My people, my people, we are his choice people. Jesus Christ died for us. And there are so many out there he wants to bring into this community. Everything in Mexico is family. It's incredible. It's, it's really wonderful. Everything is family. It's community.
what we do. And as we go into these indigenous peoples that live four or five hours, eight hours by car from us, that are living in the zone we are trying to reach with the gospel, they all the more live in community. We just had our dear Porepacha brothers come up and play a concert for us as we opened up the church last weekend. They're wonderful musicians. And we always know if they're going to come up, it's just not going to be the band. It's going to be all the families. And so we said, come on up, we'll take care of you. This time it was 28 people, men, women, and children, because they do everything by community. We are called to be part of a community, a family of God. We are not alone in this. We have each other, church. That's why we study together. That's why we meet together. That's why we, we, we pray together, because we are together. And there's that hope of community. The indigenous groups that are beyond us right now, we are endeavoring to reach with our Mexican churches in Guadalajara. As I investigated them over these years, my heart just grew for their needs. They've been forgotten. They've been abandoned. Some we troll, some 68,000, chorus, some 30, 40,000, Tipuanes, some 30 to 40,000, and, and on it goes. They live in very remote areas, very difficult to access, and they've been forgotten just about by everybody. They're resistant to the gospel. Uh, most of them are violently resistant to the gospel. It broke my heart when I started to hear the stories of people who had come to Christ and had been expelled from their community. They lost everything, lands, cattle, farms, family. Unless they would denounce Jesus Christ and they would be put together in a meeting with the elders publicly and they would be told, you can stay and live here and have your lands and things if you would denounce Jesus Christ. And dear people, whose names I won't mention, stood up and said, no, Jesus is more important to us than anything else here on this earth. Jesus is our family. God's our family. He's our community. They were beaten. They were stabbed. They were tried to burn them. Uh, a dear mother with a six-month-old baby put in jail. These types of things. Because their people are... Because the people have not had the great blessing yet of hearing the gospel of hope and faith in a God who loves us. We want to take that to them. It's the next big challenge. Praise the Lord, just last month we were able to take a video crew in from the Alliance into some of these areas. And thankfully we got back safe. I was very concerned. We were back safe. The roads are not good. We have to cross rivers. Uh, we take flour and sugar and beans and things to give out for food. We take the gospel. They haven't heard of Jesus Christ. They're waiting to hear of the Lord himself. And when they do, some of these dear people have given up everything they've had and they've joined God's family. Do you know we now have the largest we chole church on the earth in the Alliance in Mexico? It's close to 70 people. That is a mega church for this group. Others are violently, violently going in. We chole people going into their communities, clandestinely having studies, preaching the gospel. And Cheryl and I have a vision and a dream and a hope to take this message They've asked us to build two small chapels in two areas. One is pretty safe we can go into. We can actually build a church, little church there and have a congregation started there and people can come in safely. There's no gas station there. You buy your gas in, from a house that sells it in containers. But the other place where they want us to start, there's a little congregation they want us to go in. It's just difficult. We go. And if you ever hear me use the word complicated, that's code 
for problematic. And so we're facing roadblocks. We're facing armed roadblocks, whether or not they'll permit us to travel in, whether or not they'll stop us, take our car or whatever. But they've always let us go through, and they haven't stopped us. So, folks, this morning we would ask you to continue to pray, continue to support, because you're taking this hope in a God of love to a people who have never heard that. God bless you this morning, First Alliance. Let's stand and pray, shall we? Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you for this dear church. Lord, I thank you that we can share together this morning as a family. Lord, bless, I pray, this congregation and their journey that they're in. Bless their dear pastors who have been so gracious and so faithful, so loving. Lord, thank you for everything you've done through this dear group. I pray your blessing upon them. Father, I pray for community in this place. I pray, pray Lord, for community that is unified, that together you will guide them, Lord, as they continue to move into new pastures. Father, thank you for your word, which brings us hope in you. Father, faith that rests on the solid rock of Jesus Christ and a God who is a God of love and compassion who meets our needs and reminds us that we are never alone in Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. God bless you.